SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hour number two of the morning after on a Wednesday here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for SportsGrid radio on Sirius XM. And all across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. A full first hour dedicated to the NFL and a preview of Conference Championship Sunday. We switch it up a little bit here in our second hour. We go around the association, a huge Tuesday night slate in the NBA, also in college basketball as well as we figure out where things stand in the NBA and college hoops now approaching the end of the month of January let's begin in the NBA last night not far away from us here in our midtown Manhattan studio in the other borough in Brooklyn a marquee matchup between the Lakers and the Nets and it was Los Angeles on the road closing as a four-point favorite that picked up a huge win last night the Lakers victorious over the Nets at Barclays 106-96. The Lakers covering as a four-point favorite. They had lost five of their last seven games entering and had only covered twice in that seven-game span. They cover last night as a four-point road favorite. Now the Lakers, 12-21 as a favorite. Again, just their second cover in their last five games when booked as a favorite side. They have not been great as a favorite, but an even stronger trend that is not great. The Brooklyn Nets at home because not covering last night as a four-point underdog inside Barclays. Just 5-18-1 ATS at home. No Kevin Durant. And when you're playing in Brooklyn, no Kyrie Irving at the moment as well. James Harden was phenomenal last night. A triple-double, 33 points, 12 boards, 11 assists. But he was the only Brooklyn player that scored above 15 points and there is some drama around the James Harden situation and some reporting that has gone on that we'll dive into later in this second hour and here in just a moment but 33 points for the beard 33 points for the king LeBron James continues to fill it up in the points column 33 points last night seven rebounds six assists another focus for Los Angeles was the return of Anthony Davis only 25 minutes last night just eight points but four blocks showing his impact on the defensive end as well. And we mentioned Brooklyn, especially at home, because without Kevin Durant and with no Kyrie Irving at home, even without Kevin Durant on the road, the Brooklyn Nets have been booked as an underdog now in four of their last five games. They've only covered once in those four games as a dog, winning outright as a short one-point underdog a couple of nights ago against the Washington Wizards. So that's where things stand for Brooklyn at the moment. We parlay what James Harden did last night into some conversation about the Philadelphia 76ers because there have been reports surrounding the unhappiness of James Harden in Brooklyn and the rotations of the Nets, which he was asked about last night. He said he likes living in Brooklyn, likes living in New York City, but some of the rotations right now have caused a little bit of not so much harm but they don't James Harden does not love them at the moment so one of those maybe likely landing spots as we discussed yesterday and as the reports have indicated is that James Harden could find his way to the city of brotherly love to provide some support for a career year for Joel Embiid who continues his absolute tear the Sixers winning last night at home by double digits 117 107 
over the New Orleans Pelicans, a rescheduled game from earlier in the year, a 10-point victory, but Philly closed as an 11.5-point home favorite, not exactly covering that number. Earlier in the day when this line opened up, it was around 8.5 or 9 points. You could have got them there. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the second hour of the morning after on this Wednesday, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and also our radio terrestrial affiliates as well. Thank you for joining us here on TMA. I am Ben Stevens now going around the association. A recap of last night's action in the NBA. In the focus, Joel Embiid. In the tear that he is on for the Sixers. Winning last night by 10 at home over New Orleans. But Joel Embiid himself, 48 points, 14 rebounds. Was 18 of 20 from the charity stripe last night. He has continued this unreal stretch here as of late. 14 of the last 15 games for Philadelphia. Joel Embiid has scored at least 30 points. He's playing unreal basketball, maybe because they need to get him a little bit of help and not waste this career year for Joel Embiid and the Sixers. Not great at home ATS like Brooklyn's not great at home, just 8 and 13 against the spread, but Philly has won 12 of their last 15 games. Not a lot of movement though, even with Philadelphia's recent good form in the Eastern Conference Championship market. Brooklyn still a very short favorite at plus 135. The Bucks behind them at plus 300. The Miami Heat, who currently occupy the top spot in the Eastern Conference standings, the third best odds at plus 550. Then the Sixers and the Bulls tied there for the fourth best price at 10 to 1. Philadelphia had the third best odds in the preseason, entering the year at plus 900. A dollar of movement against them. Haven't seen any movement in their favor as of yet. Out in the Western Conference, a huge game last night up in the Bay. In San Francisco, the Golden State Warriors hammering the Maverick, Mavericks and dominating Dallas in that second half to win 130-92. The Dubs easily covering as a three-and-a-half point home favorite. They have won three straight games, but it was just their second cover in their last six games as a favorite. Unlike Philadelphia and Brooklyn, Golden State at home, 16-8-2 against the spread. A total last night of 212, thanks to the Warriors' offensive output, goes over. It snapped an eight-game understreak for the Dallas Mavericks, but still, both the Mavs and the Warriors, the two highest underpercentages in all of the NBA. From professional basketball to the college hoops landscape, we enter the zone on the other side of the break here on The Morning After. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. A huge Tuesday night, really the first Super Tuesday in college basketball this season. Tons of top 25 matchups, including a dandy out on the West Coast. We get to all of that. The trends you need to know based on last night to help you in your college hoops handicapping moving forward right here, right now, in the zone. And we start with that dandy of a matchup, as I described it, out in the Pac-12 last night. Number seven, UCLA, hosting number three, Arizona. Inside Pauley Pavilion, 
in Westwood there in Los Angeles. A huge matchup for UCLA to try to hand Arizona its first conference defeat of the season. And that's exactly what the Bruins do. Winning at home 75-59 last night. UCLA closed as a two-and-a-half-point underdog. They win outright. Only the second game for the Bruins all year booked as an underdog. The one previously against Gonzaga. They did not cover that number and lost that game. But a win outright as a two-and-a-half-point home dog last night against Arizona. It was the Wildcats' first conference loss this season. Now both UCLA and Arizona tied in terms of their win-loss record within Pac-12 play. Both 6-1 and one straight up in conference. Arizona has been a favorite in every conference game this year. Now 4-3 and three against the spread playing within the Pac-12. Earlier this week on Monday morning, Arizona was an odds uh an even money favorite i should say to win the pac-12 regular season title at plus 100 the board was down for the most part yesterday and now that it's back up even despite the loss inside poly last night arizona still the favorite in the pac-12 and at a minus money price at minus 125 ucla the second shortest odds at plus 135 a huge win for ucla who has won four straight basketball games now covering in two straight but only their second cover in their last six games a good defensive effort for the bruins a total of 150 last night stays under for this huge matchup between number seven ucla and number three arizona going the way of the bruins only the second loss all year for the Arizona Wildcats, something to keep in mind. Arizona still going to be a threat moving forward, certainly within the Pac-12 and within the national championship market as well. So as we continue to go along, not a top 10 matchup out west in the Pac-12. We had a top 25 matchup in the Big Ten Conference last night. And Kevin Sweeney of Sports Illustrated, a college basketball reporter, was on our show yesterday. He was heading to Champaign in the State Farm Center for number 24, Illinois, hosting number 10, Michigan State. He alluded uh, us to the idea that maybe Illinois had some uncertainties around their lineup last night. Kofi Coburn missed the Maryland game this past Friday in concussion protocol, and Andre Curbelo, who has worked back from his own concussion issues earlier in the year, his status uncertain ahead of tip against Michigan State. And Kevin was right. Both Kofi Coburn and Andre Curbelo out last night for the Illini, but it really didn't make much of a difference. Illinois winning that game outright at home, 56-55. When we were discussing that game yesterday around this time, the Illini were a four-and-a-half-point favorite. By the time we got the tip after it was confirmed, no Coburn, no Curbelo, that line came down to just two points in favor of Illinois. So Michigan State covers both of those numbers. And the reason they cover both of those numbers is because the Spartans actually went on a 6-0 run late in that basketball game. Illinois really didn't score in the final five minutes of regulation against the Spartans. And then Michigan State, on the final play of the game, Malik Hall drives the floor, gets fouled by, uh, by I forget his name right now, but anyway, Malik Hall gets fouled. He goes to the free throw line with an opportunity to tie the game for MSU, down 56 54 and he misses the front end makes the second as he was trying to miss it so there was a rebounding opportunity with 0.2 seconds left 
And because of that, Michigan State covers that final closing number of a two-point spread. The over-under that finished at 142.5 stays way under last night in that Big Ten basketball game. So a huge win for Illinois, a squandered opportunity for Michigan State, who has now lost two games in conference against both of the teams from Illinois, Northwestern and Illinois, when they had an opportunity in the final seconds of the game at the free throw line to at least force overtime. So a squandered opportunity for Michigan State, who entered yesterday at the top of the Big Ten Conference. Based on the win from Illinois, now it's the Illini back on top of the table in the Big Ten. Illinois, the best record right now, 7-2 straight up in conference play. And because of that, the favorites to win the Big Ten Conference on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, Illinois, plus 200, 2-1 to win the Big Ten. Entering last night's matchup, still the favorites at plus 250, but now a shorter price by 50 cents at plus 200. The Purdue Boilermakers, the second best odds at plus 320. Michigan State slides down this list a little bit at plus 500, and then you will see Wisconsin there if we had that graphic at plus 400. Anyway, when you look at Illinois, 7-2 and two now in Big Ten play, they have the best record by themselves. A half-game advantage over two teams and then a third team. So four teams right now in total in the Big Ten with two conference losses, including Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Ohio State. Although Ohio State just 5-2, and two, Michigan State and Wisconsin 6-2 and two in that marketplace. As we continue to go around the zone here from a 2-3 maybe to a 3-2, we go to the ACC. Duke in action last night. The odds on favorites to win the ACC regular season crown at minus 165. Duke was an 11 and a half point favorite at home inside Cameron against Clemson. They did not come close to covering that 11 and a half point spread, only winning by two, but still an odds on favorite at minus 165. Those teams that you see there battling out of the Sunshine State for that second spot Florida State at plus 500, Miami at plus 650. Both of those ACC squads in action conference play tonight Florida State on the road a five-point favorite against Georgia Tech Florida State as you can see the second best odds to win the ACC at plus 500 Miami also on the road also a five-point spread as of right now but a road underdog against Virginia Tech Miami the third best odds at plus 650 a fallout then to quadruple digits where Wake Forest finds themselves Josh Graham has come on this show with his ACC insight and said, keep an eye on those Demon Deacons, 12-1 to 1 right now, to win the ACC, the fourth best price. So, from the ACC to a big game tonight in the Big East, Marquette, who has played spoiler here as of late, taking on Seton Hall in a great matchup we have in the Big East this evening. And as it stands, Seton Hall, a five-point home favorite in New Jersey tonight against the Golden Eagles. Now, Marquette started off Big East play losing three straight games. They have now won six straight, and I believe have covered in six straight as well. Let me check my numbers there. Yes, they have covered in six straight. Marquette also in their last three games, winning outright as an underdog, including at home against Seton Hall about 
a week and a half ago. A one and a half point home underdog. They beat Hall Ball 73-72 in Milwaukee just a couple of games back. Then they went and beat Villanova as an outright 13 and a half point underdog. Capped off against Xavier on Sunday as a two point underdog. So Marquette's season has been wild if you have followed it from the non-conference slate. Some great games in the non-conference. A win over Illinois and West Virginia. A loss to St. Bonaventure. A loss to UCLA and Wisconsin. And then they got into Big East play. Started out winless 0-3. Now have won six straight. Three straight as an underdog. Meanwhile, Seton Hall has lost three of their last four after a very promising start. So why is the Hall a five-point favorite tonight at home? Well, if the line doesn't make sense at times, maybe it makes no sense for a reason. I think the Pirates might actually have a shot of covering that number at home at the Rock against Marquette tonight. As we go for some more basketball, stay with us here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network, I'm Ben Stevens. Now very pleased to welcome on Matt Brooks. He covers the NBA for Basketball News and Nets Daily, a perfect person to bring on with the situation in Brooklyn right now. So Matt, thank you for joining us here on a Wednesday morning, making your debut on the morning after here on the grid. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, Yeah, it's been quite the week this week. There's been a a lot to report on to say the least in Brooklyn here so again thank you for having me of course Matt and let's start first with the game result last night a marquee matchup at the Barclays Center the Lakers on the road against the Nets the Lakers winning and covering as a four point favorite first just the game itself Matt what were your takeaways from Los Angeles's and I guess Brooklyn's performance last night at Barclays yeah I mean from my takeaways from Brooklyn's side is that the the room for error is so slim right now. Um, I know Chris Haynes on the TNT broadcast yesterday said that Joe Harris is going to be out an extended period of time. We're going to see how long that's going to last. Kevin Durant is obviously out nursing a left uh, or a knee injury. And, um, you know, those two things I think are going to make home games really, really difficult. It is more essential than ever that the Nets stack up wins on the road. Um, And right now they've been, you know, a, a, a team that's, they're a little give or take when it comes to games on the road. They're still trying to figure out things, I think, to a degree uh, with James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Um, other thing is, is that certain things cropped up that have plagued them throughout the season. Um, it, rebounding was not an issue. Transition defense was. Um, it kind of feels like this year in, in their losses, it's one or the other. It's transition defense or it's their rebound. Of course, those things are tied in together. So um, it, it was more of the same in a way, and it was just a really – um, sharp reminder of how little room they have to make mistakes and make mental errors. Yeah. Yeah. Brooklyn without Kevin Durant now, four of their last five games booked as an underdog for the Nets, a team that was rarely booked as an underdog. And Brooklyn did not cover last night as a home dog, despite the best efforts 
of James Harden. A triple-double last night, 33 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists. But, Matt, the story about James Harden was not the box score, but some of the reporting around the beard and his future with the Brooklyn Nets. There has been some indication he is not happy with his situation in Brooklyn past this season. Maybe doesn't love living in the Brooklyn Borough. Maybe doesn't love the rotations that head coach Steve Nash has for the Nets right now what have you been hearing about this situation what have you been following around the james harden ordeal this week yeah i mean i think there's some credence to the rumors um from what i've heard over the last couple of weeks there are like multiple uh camps within the nets that are wary of this being a possibility of james harden not only testing free agency but other teams such as philadelphia being a threat um and this kind of goes right in line with that i think yesterday's reporting was very illuminating on things that, quite frankly, I think many people have been feeling, at least outside observers, um, just watching the Nets, that the rotations have been pretty wonky. Uh, there have been a lot of different starting lineups. And yes, part of that comes from the season that we're going through. Uh, it's like yet another year of uh, COVID affecting things and making that, really, mm -hmm. you know, that, that second month stretch really bizarre. But at the same time, there have been a lot of different experimentations. I mean, for example, last night, you look at the Nets, they played an 11-man rotation, um, you know, playing guys that hadn't seen minutes in a couple of weeks. It's just been it's, it's just been a very turbulent year, I think is the best way to put it. So the rumors, I don't think, really surprised anyone. Um, and if you've been paying attention, they, they weren't really things that were new to, to pop up this week. It has been percolating for a little bit. Yeah, and when you think about that situation, there's been some tie to Philadelphia maybe for James Harden. Obviously, the trade deadline is approaching this year in the NBA. Do you think anything happens this year, or will it be something that we see play out more so in the summer? No, I, I, don't, I don't think this is going to happen at the trade deadline. Um, you know, and even you can tell from how Philadelphia is handling things. is just they, it just based on the reporting, um, the, Philadelphia is angling for this offseason. They're looking to do something along the lines of a sign-in trade and, and figure out ways mm -hmm. to, um, to, to come up with a solution there. This year, I think Harden is locked in. He wants to win a title. The Nets give him the best chance to do so, even with Kyrie Irving part-time. Um, you know, I, I think that's right now that's his focus. Um, but we'll, we'll see if that changes. We'll see what happens in the offseason. That's going to be when, then, when things get really fun. Matt Brooks joining us here on the morning after covers the NBA for basketball news and specifically the Brooklyn Nets for Nets Daily as well. Matt, you saw some of those NBA title future odds right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Despite the Kevin Durant injury, despite Kyrie Irving's status as a part-time player, despite James Harden and the uncertainty in the future, the Brooklyn Nets still booked as a short favorite to win the East at plus 135 in a favorite to win the NBA championship at plus 280. Do you think Brooklyn should be this short of a favorite right now in this marketplace? Oh, it's so tricky. It's so tricky. It's based on what happens with the New York mandate, right? The New York City mandate. Yeah. That is going to be, that is, I think, every single uh, broadcast, anything that I've done this year, it, it, the New York City COVID-19 mandate gets brought up. So uh, I personally, right now, where I'm at at this moment in time, I like the Bucks just because there is a sense of we know what we're getting from them. Uh, it's kind of a proven product in the way that the Nets right now, I mean, as it stands, they have a player that's unable to play in their home games in Kyrie Irving. So for me, I, I understand if the Nets are able to get there 100%, uh, get everybody on the same page, 
find a way to to have Kyrie Irving play in home games. But for now, uh, I look at the Bucks and I see what they have. That's a proven process. Uh, Giannis has taken multiple leaps as a player this year, in my opinion. Uh, his passing's taken a leap, for example, and they've built a roster that really accentuate what he does, adding multiple shooters around him and, and giving him the full that he needs. I look at the Bucks right now. Team, look at. And you see the Warriors there with the second best price at plus 450. The Dubs, the favorites in the Western Conference, Matt, as well at plus 220. But it seems a little bit more open in the Western Conference side of things. The Phoenix Suns challenging if the Lakers could get fully healthy and figure some things out as well. What have you made of the Western Conference? I say in this portion of the NBA season, but we're already past the halfway point. Yeah, um, you know, the, I think the Lakers are interesting runs there, and I thought Anthony Davis had some problems yesterday. Um, if, if you watch the Lakers Nets game, you'll you'll notice early that he he was moving on moving around pretty nicely. That's kind of what you wanted to see from Anthony Davis. Uh, the Suns, I think, for me, I'm looking at that team. That's the one, another one, kind of similar to the Bucks. Uh, you know what they bring to the table. There's a lot of continuity there, and most of all, they're whole. We they're they're a product that we know right now is going to stay the same. Uh, the Warriors are working in clay, and they have this Draymond injury, which is right now, that's a huge factor for them. He's the captain of their defense. He sets up so much of their offense and initiates things. So if they don't have that guy in there, it's really to look at Golden State and say, okay, about this team. So, Matt, you saw LeBron James last night at Barclays, 33 points. He is now the leading scorer in the NBA. This is year number 19 of LeBron, and he is trying to propel L.A. out of the play and into just the regular Western Conference playoff seedings as we approach now this second half of the NBA campaign. The Lakers, though, just an even 500 right now. So Anthony Davis back last night, LeBron playing at an otherworldly level, even in his 19th NBA season. What do you think the forecast is like for Los Angeles moving forward? It's going to be tricky, kind of similar to the Nets. Uh, there's a, a slim margin of error. Uh, the defense just doesn't afford them the same advantages that it did in years past. So you really need your players to click. You need to figure out a way to work in Russell Westbrook which I think has been something everybody's been saying all year, uh, but figure out ways for him to pick his spots nicely and uh, really just split those two guys up. I think splitting up Westbrook and, and LeBron and making the most of each of those stints is going to be huge for them. Um, they're, they're a tricky team to, to figure out just because of the, uh, A, the, the, the stylistic change that they've undergone. You know, they're playing Anthony yeah. Davis at the five, which is something I think people have been calling for for years. But not only that, they're actually playing LeBron at the five as well. He's playing center. So that's a huge, huge stylistic change. You think about how, what made the Lakers so dynamic in years past. It, it, it's that they kind of zag. While the, less, while the, rest, of the, while the rest of the league was, um, was, was trying, you know, small ball, and, and you thought of Houston two years ago playing Robert Covington at the five, the Lakers, they were playing these dual big lineups. Now they've kind of settled into small ball. So it's a really interesting thing to watch, and we'll see how it works for them. For the top five seeds in the Eastern Conference currently in action tonight, the Bucks, a four-point favorite against the Cavs. You have the Chicago Bulls in action as well against the Raptors. And then the Miami Heat, who currently have the top spot in the Eastern Conference standings, Matt, as a six-point home favorite against the New York Knicks. When you look at Miami this year, how legitimate do you think this success is? 
Yeah, uh, Miami's Miami's another one where it's like the identity is there. Um, you know, Spolstra teams, I think for me, are always really, really uh, just just easy to to track. And that's a team I think for me that's that's a big threat. It's they're going to be a team, especially as we get into the playoffs. Um, that's a team you don't want to run into in, in in the playoff setting. So yeah, I mean, I, I like Miami. They're they're a team that's going to come out and play hard every single night, and um, and they don't let up easy. Yeah, and because of that relentless nature, that's why you see an over-under at 203 points for an NBA game. Matt Brooks covering the NBA for Basketball News and Nets Daily. Thank you for your insight on the morning after on this Wednesday. Thanks very much. Thank you. Appreciate it, Matt. And now we go from the NBA back to the NFL. Some big coaching news yesterday in the Big Easy. New Orleans and Sean Payton no longer in a relationship. Sean Payton stepping down as the head coach of the Saints. We hear from Aaron Summers about what the future looks like for New Orleans up next here on The Morning After. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Just a couple of days away from NFL Conference Championship Sunday. But that does not mean the coaching carousel stops spinning. It never does in the NFL. We break that down here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens and now very pleased to welcome on Erin Summers. She is a reporter for the Saints and the Pelicans who had herself a very busy Tuesday in New Orleans. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to have this conversation and get some of your expertise on what is happening in the Big Easy right now. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was definitely an eventful day. I don't think any of us expected our Tuesday to go the way that it did, but uh, it was a whirlwind, and we're definitely in a new era here in New Orleans. So midway through the afternoon yesterday on a Tuesday, we got the report that Sean Payton would be stepping away as head coach of the New Orleans Saints. There had been some speculation and a fair bit of reporting in the last couple of ways that uh, last couple of days that Sean Payton was building up to this decision. So when the report dropped yesterday, Aaron, what was your initial reaction? Well, we kind of had an idea that this might be more legit than just some rumblings because during the off seasons, especially somebody that's been with the team for so long, you know, there's the natural, well, how much longer are they going to stay here? And what else is next for this person? It's something that's come up before during the off seasons. Um, the way that this one kind of continued to come up and seemed to gain some traction uh, over the last week. And the people that were reporting on it are some of the, the closest confidants to Coach Payton. You know, you kind of realized, well, this actually might be legit. I just didn't think it was going to happen in the middle of uh, Tuesday. I thought we had a little bit more time, especially after hearing from our owner, Gail Benson, on Monday, saying that, you know, Coach Payton was taking that time and they weren't certain what he was going to do. I, I didn't expect the news to come out the next day. So you're working for the team, covering, of course, that press conference that Sean Payton held yesterday. What did you hear from now the former head coach of the Saints? What were your main takeaways from that presser? 
it was really interesting to, to hear him speak for so long about a variety of different things. He talked about how much this organization meant to him, how much the overall, from top to bottom, the people, the relationships that he developed here meant, and the fan base. And he came in at a time when this area was in the lowest of lows after Hurricane Katrina, you know, the biggest natural disaster in, in our country. And he came in and he provided a light for a lot of people here, something positive. He came in and immediately brought this team to winning, you know, an NFC South championship, the first one that they'd ever won. So that was unprecedented. And the time that it happened, I think, made his tenure here to start in such a special way. And there's just been a very unique relationship between Coach Payton and this fan base for so long. Um, it's an era that was synonymous with Coach Payton and Drew Brees. And he talked about that relationship. And he talked about how, you know, it wasn't last season. I think a lot of people thought that maybe last season was so trying that he was just done and didn't want to deal with that kind of stuff anymore. He didn't want another quarterback controversy, try to figure out what's post Drew Brees, um, dealing with all the COVID stuff that we've still been dealing with two years later. And it was a lot with the injuries as well. Um, but he said last year was exciting for him. And I absolutely believe him because he is somebody that loves a challenge and he embraces adversity. Um, and he said for him, this was just his time. You know, he'd been here for coach 15 seasons, been here for 16. It's a long time, any place. And he wanted to walk away on his own terms. He just said he doesn't know what's next, did not rule out the possibility of coaching down the line. So we'll see. Maybe he takes a little hiatus here and we might see him back on the sideline. He said yesterday that he doesn't feel like he'll coach in the 2022 season, maybe a TV network analyst spot to hear from the great offensive mind of Sean Payton. So you mentioned last year, Aaron, in 2022, the Saints finishing with a 9-8 and record, 9-8 and against the spread, the 19th scoring offense in the NFL, but a top five scoring defense as well. The Saints won their final game of the season that would have got them in the playoffs if not for the Niners come back in overtime to knock off the Rams. And we will see those two teams again, of course, in the NFC Championship game on Sunday. So an interesting 2021 campaign and now the final year for Sean Payton in New Orleans. What did you make of this past season? This past season was probably one of his most impressive coaching seasons because of everything that they faced. They had 58 different starters. That's an NFL record because of the injuries, because of COVID. They had four different quarterbacks at the helm. And to overcome all of that and still finish nine and eight, over 500, and beat the Tampa Bay Bucks twice, end with a, a nice win over Atlanta, yeah, there was a tough stretch in the middle of the season where they lost five games in a row, but it was really bookended. Um, started in a good way with Jameis Winston, and then the end, the defense really carried them through. So there was a lot of adversity that they overcame this season, and the way that he was able to get this team to stay together through it just speaks to the culture that he's built here in New Orleans and hopefully will continue after he leaves. Yeah, Sean Payton said that for the NFC Championship game, they're rooting for the Rams because it was the Niners that pulled off the upset or maybe did he say they're rooting for the Niners because they I don't know anyway Sean Payton will be invested like the rest of us for conference yes. championship Sunday so you mentioned it he mentioned it during the press conference as well Aaron the idea that 
when Sean Payton took over as the head coach back in 2006 for the Saints, that was also the beginning of the Drew Brees era. Now in the last two years, Drew Brees no longer with New Orleans, and now Sean Payton will no longer be the head coach of the Saints. What's the sense around the organization about the uncertainty moving forward? I don't think that there is a, a sense of uncertainty per se. I think they're confident in what Coach Payton was able to build here. And I mentioned the culture that he's able to develop from top to bottom and the type of players that he's brought in and the type of coaches that he has brought in. I think that Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator, is probably one of the top candidates to take over the role of head coach here in New Orleans. They do have to go through the full process of hiring a head coach they have to interview multiple other candidates just like any other team does you know you just can't elevate somebody on your staff however they have the pieces in place here for this to continue to be successful an organization that is very supportive and has supported pretty much anything coach Payton wanted along the way so I think that this coaching position should be very uh, attractive to any coach or possible candidate out there because of the way that it's set up. And I think that the organization feels the same way. They feel like they have a, a great defense. They have great people at the helm um, from the top to the bottom. And they have a lot of good players in here already. And there's a few question marks, sure. You know, we're gonna have to figure out who the quarterback is here. Um, we do have Taysom Hill and he's been a viable backup. I don't think he's gonna be your guy going forward, but you have the opportunity to bring somebody in. Maybe it's Jameis Winston again, who price-wise, you know, would be very nice for the Saints, considering a lot of the cap issues that they've been dealing with. Um, and then, yeah, you have a couple question marks of your offensive line. But I think that this could be a new and exciting era for the Saints, although it's going to be very different because for 16 years, it's yeah. been led by Coach Payton. Yeah, a lot of familiar faces for the Saints over the last decade plus with Drew Brees and Sean Payton now a little bit of a different picture for New Orleans. And Aaron, you mentioned that coaching search moving forward. Now the Saints, one of nine teams in the NFL looking for a new head coach. And NFL Network's Ian Rappaport tweeting out yesterday that some of his reportings has said, like Aaron just said, defensive coordinator Dennis Allen, one of the leading candidates for this job, and they will go around the league and conduct their search as well. What does that process look like for the New Orleans organization now getting a little bit of a later start in this process? Right. And I think that's why this decision needed to come when it did. I, I know that Gail Benson, Mickey Loomis, they both were telling Coach Payton to take his time. However, they also asked him not to go. And at the end, though, they needed a decision because Senior Bowl is right around the corner. And you want to have your staff in place. You want to know who you're going to be out there putting as the forefront of your organization when you're recruiting. You know, we obviously have a great scout in Jeff Ireland. He does a fantastic job. It looks like he'll be able to stay here with the organization. Um, but you definitely want to start moving quickly, um, start making some of these calls and, and bringing some people in here in the next few days and hopefully have a decision made by next week. You mentioned Dennis Allen, one of the leading candidates there. He orchestrated a top five scoring defense in the NFL, one of the best defensive units all season long. What impressed you most out of Dennis Allen's coaching job defensively this past year in 2021? 
I think all you have to point to is the second game against the Tampa Bay Bucks when Coach Payton was unable to be there because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And the defense absolutely showed out because how much they respect Dennis Allen, how they wanted him to be successful in that moment. Although they did say they didn't want him to be too successful, so they kind of screwed the pooch there because they don't want him to leave. Um, but right. they did have a great showing. It shows how much they they care about Coach Allen and value him. And you saw the absolute. I mean, they they annihilated the Bucks. We can put it that way, right? Yeah. I mean, the same way Tom Brady annihilated a surface at the end of the game. It was an absolute <laughs> a defensive. Uh, and they, they showed out. So that right there kind of was the epitome of what Dennis Allen has done for this team. Not many people have had Tom Brady's number in his long NFL career, but since he joined Tampa Bay, the Saints have certainly had Tom's number in the regular season. So from defense to offense, a lot of free agents that will be up in the air this year for New Orleans. Of course, Alvin Kamara will be back. What will the quarterback situation look like? So Aaron, as the offseason is in its very early stages right now for the Saints, what do the next couple of weeks, months look like for New Orleans? There are a couple of question marks, um, especially on the offensive side with the quarterback. Obviously, there's the wide receiver situation Michael Thomas unable to play last year. Is he able to come back? Does he want to come back? What's that relationship like going forward, especially with the new head coach? Um, that is an area that definitely needs to be assessed in the offseason. A couple question marks at offensive line, Teron Armstead, his contract being up. And then on the defensive side, Marcus Davenport is somebody that needs to have his contract you know, restructured, resigned there. So there are a couple pieces um, that you can kind of Try to figure out, try to get under the cap space. Obviously, Kai Harley is very good at doing that. Uh, and then you have the Senior Bowl where you're going to go look at some prospects. And then you have the free agency and then a draft that is coming up. So a lot of opportunity to add some pieces and, and make some decisions on who's going to lead the team, both as a head coach and then as your quarterback. Conference Championship Sunday, the Super Bowl after that two weeks later, but the NFL never truly stops. So, Aaron, yesterday Sean Payton said who he was rooting for in the NFC title game. I don't really remember what he said, but who are you rooting for in the NFC Championship game? Only about 30 seconds left. Yeah, I think he said that he wanted the Bengals to win, and I think that would be just a fun story. Uh, I know that here, as you mentioned, the 49ers-Rams, they're they're touchy for us right now because of how that yeah. all happened at the end of the year. Um, I, I try to be nice to everybody, but, you know, Rams fans right now are not my favorite people because of we, all we needed them to do was hold on at the end of that game, and they hold couldn't on. do it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it's going to be a toss-up. But, yeah, I think the Bengals would be a really fun story. It certainly would be. If the Bengals pull the upset as a touchdown Mm -hmm. underdog, it would be a great Sunday in the conference championship slate. Aaron Summers, a reporter for the Saints and the Pelicans, thank you so much for your time and your insight on this Wednesday here on the morning after. We go to break. We'll be back in just a few. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All 
Closing out our number two of this Wednesday edition of the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. You just heard from Aaron Summers, a reporter for the New Orleans Saints, who yesterday we got the news that Sean Payton stepping down as the head coach in NOLA. Now one of nine head coaching vacancies within the National Football League. That's over a quarter of the league and no position has been filled as of yet so a ton of uncertainty and the coaching carousel will continue to spin into the offseason for the nfl so which job is going to be filled first we take that guess now on guess the line So here are the nine current NFL coaching openings as it stands. The Chicago Bears, Denver Broncos, Miami Dolphins, New York Giants, Jacksonville Jaguars, Las Vegas Raiders, New Orleans Saints added yesterday, the Houston Texans, and the Minnesota Vikings. As you can see, it is going to be a wild circus to figure out the new head coaches by the time we get into the 2022 NFL campaign here's what we're going to do on guess the line right now which job is going to be filled first now a couple of those jobs right there also needed a new general manager in place and we have learned in the last couple of days the New York Giants have a new general manager the Chicago Bears yesterday adding Ryan Poles from the Kansas City Chiefs now as their new GM so I think one of those two jobs the Bears or the Giants will be filled first. If I was a betting man and this was a betting show, well, that it is, I would say the Giants are the favorites right now. Keep an eye on Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator out of Buffalo. Now the Bills season is over. Brian Dable, one of the hottest names in this coaching cycle. And oh yeah, the GM from Buffalo or from in New York now, the former assistant GM in Buffalo as well, already having that relationship there. As we go to hour number three, a very happy hour coming up on TMA. Make sure to stay with us right here on The Grid.